think about it for a second. Last week at the end of worship, I don't know if you remember, I came up and I said, man, I'm trying to hear from Holy Spirit what he's saying right now. And I was looking for like a prophetic word for somebody or something like that. He likes to do that sort of thing. And, but the only thing I could hear from him was welcome home. And that was it. It was like welcome home in my presence is where you belong. This, this is your home. Um, and so Jared texted me over the week and uh, asked me to preach. And I was like, man, what do I want to talk about? There's like, any number of things. And that was the only one that stuck. That was the only one that I was like, man, I really want to jump into that. Uh, so I, I put together a little um, like lesson on that. And I texted Kyle yesterday and said, hey, man, you think we could play that song? You know, you guys want me to sing it, don't you? Yeah. Right here in your presence is where I belong. No, I can sing better than that. I just like to goof off. <laughs> and Kyle takes me back. Actually, I already had that in the service. So uh, I was like, well, that's, that's cool. Um, and then uh, Vanessa uh, came up here after and just went off on living in his presence. And I was like, man, this is so cool. It's just one of those times when uh, we didn't really organize the service. Holy Spirit did. And uh, a while back, I don't know if you guys remember, I talked about having a God-centered strategy, right? You build your, in military, they build their strategy around the biggest weapon they have, right? The most powerful weapon they have. If it's a cruise missile, then that's what's going in first, right? And then if the next most powerful thing is a tank, then they're going in behind the tank. They build their strategy around their most powerful weapon. Somehow churches, though, tend to try to build their strategies around good marketing, or stuff like that. And we don't want to do that here. God is our most powerful weapon. His word is our sword. And his presence is, is the most important thing we have in this building. And so we try to build our strategies around what is God doing. And let's get in behind him. And this was one of those times where it just kind of came together. So let, let's get into it. I got some slides and I got a little fun video. And uh, yeah. So the presence of God is our home. I know you guys all have homes you go to that uh, you'll go to today unless you're going out of town or something. Uh, but yeah, we have homes we go to, but Jesus didn't, right? He didn't have a, a, a home. He went everywhere. He was homeless, um, which is a pretty well-known fact. That's, that shouldn't blow anybody's mind. But I want you to realize that just because you have a home and Jesus didn't doesn't mean you can't be like Jesus. Because Jesus' life was illustrating a point that we have a more important home. And we take our home with us, and our home is the presence of God. Yeah. And, it's, and it's the times in life when we realize, wow, I'm right here with God, that it doesn't matter where we're at on this globe, we're right at home. How do you think missionaries do it? <laughs> How do you think missionaries do it? They go into these crazy cultures, and you know, they try to adapt as best they can, but it's not their home. But they know it's not their home. The presence of God is their home. And so they take the presence of God with them, and then they can feel at home no matter what kind of foreign culture they're in. So go to your home. <laughs> Excuse me. All right, so <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think if I want to. Okay, we'll get that in a second. All right, I got a little goody for you guys. A golf course has 18 holes, right? Let's just dive into a random topic here. Let's talk about golf. <laughs> I, hey, I'm no golfer, okay? 
So don't worry, we're not going to, I can talk about soccer real in-depth, right? Let, let's talk about the offsides trap. No, in golf, I can only do the basics. <laughs> There's 18 holes, I know that much. A, a pretty good score, a par score for a golf course would be about 72 strokes, yeah? That's about, that's about four strokes per hole, averages out. So I want you to think about that for a second. You're going out to a golf course and you're a, you're a scratch golfer, okay? So you're going to swing this club. 72 times, 72 times if you're really good. And only four of those, or only 18 of those, 72 swings are going to lead to that ball going into the cup. That's not a very good percentage. You realize that? That's like one in four, 25%. If you're a really good golfer, if you're a really good, you got to be a pretty good golfer to do that. Kyle goes out there and he shoots like 150. <laughs> 85. Kyle shoots 85. I shoot about 150, and I go through about 50 golf balls, <laughs> and it takes me about eight hours. <laughs> yeah, most people worry about the cost of, of getting onto the golf course. I worry about the cost of having to buy three cases of golf balls. <laughs> so if you're a really good golfer, you're still going to have a percentage of about one stroke out of every four is going to lead to the ball going into the cup. So what are you doing the rest of that time? You're working toward the cup. You're working toward that cup. I want you to realize that nobody in this room, no matter how godly they are, and no matter how big this room is or how full it is, nobody keeps the presence of God with them in that intimate worship time 24-7. So if you're not doing it, don't feel too bad. Okay? Can I just, like, release that? Like, we shoot these crazy goals for ourselves, or we shoot for these crazy goals, and, and then we feel bad when we don't get there. Like, man, I'm not, I'm not in, you know, like, collapsing mode eight hours a day. There must be more I can get to. I, I just want to let you guys know, don't hold yourself to those kind of ridiculous standards, all right? I encourage you to go follow Bill Johnson's Twitter account, okay? You know what's going to blow your mind? A lot of time he's talking about, like, grilling hot dogs and stuff. It's true. Go, am I not right, Kyle? If you go to his Twitter account and you follow it, he's tweeting about random stuff he's doing with his family. And do you realize that Bill Johnson, who may be closer to God than, you know, I don't want to say he's the closest in the world, but... I would challenge you to try to find somebody who's closer to God than that guy. And yet he is not just like drowning in God's presence 24-7. Hmm. He lives a life. He has a life. And so if we look at our life like a golf course, right, and eight, there's 18 holes, you can't just put the cup in that first hole and just stay there forever. You got at some point you get pulled out of that cup, and you got to get you got to move on. You got to drive on to the next one. So let's just let's just define this metaphor because we're going to be talking a lot about golf today. Let's just let's just set up what is everything. Let's talk about golf like the golf ball is our spirit man. Okay, that's our our core. Whenever we die, what goes to heaven? The golf ball. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah goes, I'm so confused. 
the golf ball is going to be our spirit man. So the golfer, the guy who's making all the swings, let's call that our flesh. So constantly we're trying to get our flesh to hit the golf ball into the cup, which let's just call a God hug. Just a big old God hug. Yeah, those intimate moments, like we had one this morning, right? I'm sure you've had them outside of this church. Boy, I hope you have. Those ones are the best ones. <laughs> you think you get a good taste of God in here. Woo, boy. It's way better outside of the church. Trust me. So let's call those God moments the cup. And I really hope you have more than 18 in your life. Uh, but just for the sake of the metaphor, you know, 18 holes, and you're always going for the next God moment. Okay? All right. I like to make music when I'm figuring out where I'm going to go next. So may, most of our day-to-day life is spent outside of the cup, yeah? Most of our day-to-day life is at work, and we're not really in worship mode, right? Maybe you're humming a worship song, or you've got one stuck in your head. That's always, I think that's awesome. That's, that's a good way to do it, because then you're kind of worshiping all day long. Um, but you know what? You've got work to do. You've got stuff to do, yeah? You've got to earn that money so you can buy hot dogs. <laughs> what? We're American. So, day-to-day life is spent on the, on the fairway, or sometimes you're like, okay, I, I got to try to get to that next cup. I got to try to get to everything we do should be driving toward that next moment with God. I mean, I'm going to try to get to myself to a point where I'm with God again. That's our, that's our ultimate craving, right? As soon as, we, as soon as we have that taste the first time, isn't it what we crave all the time after that? Boy, we just want to be with God. Like, man, can I just get through this day so I can have another moment with God? So we're, we're trying to hit that ball down the fairway and get to that cup in as few strokes as we can, right? Let's just get there as fast as we can to that next moment with God. And then what happens? Into the rough. Or maybe we get on the green and something like this happens. Let's, let's watch this video. Kyle's working on it. Let me just tell you guys, we really need to upgrade our media computer. <laughs> so that'll be happening at some point, I can promise you. There's always something to upgrade around the church, right? So praise you guys for being uh, you know, generous. You're being like God. So, all right. had a day like that <laughs> why don't you just go to your home love it I just want to draw attention to the fact that there was a little parentheses on the file right there that named edit uh, so just for that little 45 second clip 
there was cuss words I had to take off. So don't go home and feel like, man, I'm just I'm gonna go home and watch Happy Gilmore now. No. Don't do it. Don't do it. Not <laughs> a lot of cussing in that movie. I just happened to remember that thing and it illustrated a point. Watch Mr. Bean instead. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't even talk. You don't gotta worry about cussing with Mr. Bean. The most the worst you're gonna get out of him is this. That guy. He's funny. Seriously, though, how many of you guys have ever, all right, so you come to church, and, and you're like, all right, man, I'm in church. I'm going to get into the presence of God. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> right? And you're like, this is going to be great. I'm just going to, I'm getting to the cup. And you get in here, and then what happens, like, you happen to have walked in with a bitter spirit or something. There was a little bit of unforgiveness, and you forgot about this person, and they started coming on your mind. You're just, and you're just, oh, man. Hmm. Aunt Hilda, you know, you don't have an Aunt Hilda, oh, yeah, you come in with a bitter spirit, and you're so close to getting in the cup, you're so close to being in God's presence, and then you just like fall short, and you just like put, and your spirit man is longing to get into that hole, but you've got a bitter spirit. Or, you, or uh, I've done this plenty of times. You stay up late on Saturday night and you walk in with a sleepy body. It happens. It happens so close, so close. But then you're just like, uh, <laughs> tired. Or you walk in with a distracted mind. And here you are, and there's an amazing worship, and everybody else is getting their spirit man into the golf cup. Uh, but you're thinking about, you know, hot dogs. Let's see how many times I can reference hot dogs. <laughs> Guys, the best golfers in the world, you know what makes them the best? It's their putting. Yeah, what's the old adage? Drive for show, putt for dough. That's it. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> Drive for show, putt for dough. That means, yeah, you can look real good out there hitting that ball real far, but it's when you get on that green and you can compose yourself, you can read the curves, you can read the grain, and you can hit the ball perfectly to get it in the cup. That's, that's what's important. You know, there's a lot of times we get in our lives where we're on the green and we just never bother to try to hit the ball in a cup. How many of you guys have ever gotten in the car before and thought, you know what, I think I want to switch to this worship CD instead of listening to, you know, whatever, Billy Joel. And then you're just like, no... No, Billy Joel's good today. Oh, you're so close. You're so close. The best Christians in the world, they recognize those moments when they're close, and you know what they do? They hit it home. They don't hesitate. They don't two-putt. They, they, they see, oh, man, I'm close to a moment with God. I'm so close. I'm not going to back off now. I'm going, I'm going into it. And if we could just get that part of it down... We'd be so much happier. We'd be so much happier. Those moments when you're so close. How many of you guys have ever been going to bed at night and you just feel like, you know what? I feel like I can have a really good conversation with God right now. But it's 9.45 or it's 10.45. I've got to get up early tomorrow. You know, I finally got the kids asleep or whatever it is. You know, I just better, get, I just better hit the sack. Oh, no, you were so close. Why don't you just go to your home? 
answer me, ball. So funny. Yeah, guys, when you get close like that, don't stop. Don't stop. Boy, I tell you, there's a lot of moments when we just bail out at the last minute. A lot of moments. And the, the powerful Christians, the, one that are really, the ones that are really, really changing the world, the ones that are uh, praying for miracles in the grocery stores and stuff, they're the ones that don't miss those moments. They don't just ignore God. They go about with their life because they realize God is their life. Don't just go about your life as if God isn't your life. His presence is your home. If you're close to home, go in the door. All right. So then there's the other thing that I mentioned where you just uh, take a swing and you, you know, slice and you're off into the rough. And if you're like me, then you're losing your spirit, man, like every other hole. Seriously, I go through a lot, of, a lot of balls when I play golf. It's pretty bad. So I would equate that to like getting caught up in sin. Or like, oh, what else did I list here? Giving into flesh temptations, yeah? Uh, letting circumstances dictate our faith. Ooh. I'm going to come back on these two. Or being overly passionate about useless things. That's getting off into the rough. You're not, even, you're not even going for the hole anymore. You're just like, who knows what you're going for? A creek. <laughs> you know what happens, though? I mean, we all know what happens. Sometimes it's hard to resist temptation. It really is. Or uh, letting circumstances drive our faith. Man, the finances is where that happens all the time. Like, I don't got any finances. I can't be taken care of. What is God going to do? Then you start thinking that you've got you've to sustain yourself instead of letting God sustain you. You're letting your circumstances change your faith. Don't let circumstances change your faith. Let your faith be determined by the Word of God. And circumstances... They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to get in shape. Amen. And it, sometimes it takes time. Yeah, I think we've all been through some struggles where we thought we were never gonna get out of it. I know I have. Oh man, I can tell you some ghetto stories. The time I didn't have. I there's a time I love telling this, and the kids always love to hear it too. Is that I didn't have any money. I'm living in my apartment. I've already had to give my furniture back to the furniture place. <laughs> I'll have very little money. I'm like, man, I'll tell you what I can do is I can go to the store. I have enough money to get me some potatoes, and I can just cook some stew, and then I'll have enough food until, you know, I, I make some more money. Uh, I was working at a, at a golf course, <laughs> as it is. I was, I was waiting tables there uh, at the Texas Star Golf Course. Awesome restaurant there. And so I'm like, well, if I can just get some potatoes and I can make it some, and maybe some sausage and I can make enough soup to go, you know, two or three days and then I can have some money to get some more food. I go, I go to the store, I get some potatoes, I get a little bit of sausage. I'm like, man, I got enough money to get some fresh oregano. This is going to be some tasty, some tasty soup, some oregano potato sausage soup. I love cooking. I can make this work. All right. I've got salt and pepper at home. I'm good to go. So I get home, and, I, and I'm making the soup and everything, and it's, and it's simmering. 
and I fall asleep. I fall asleep, and I wake up to a completely charred pot, and, and my house smells like marijuana. All that burnt oregano, I, I was like, oh my gosh. Friends are going to come over and think I'm a pothead. And I don't have any food. I went hungry for three days. I really did. I, um, I, I get a little, you know, at work, I, there's food at work, obviously. I'm a waiter, okay? But any money I spend to buy myself a meal at work was going to be money I couldn't, like, pay my rent. We've all been through times like that. Everybody's had marijuana smell in their apartment. <laughs> no, just me. <laughs> but you know what? I didn't let those circumstances craft my faith. My faith was being crafted by the Spirit of God. And He found a way to get me through those times. And He finds a way to get us through those times. So don't let circumstances define what you're going to believe, okay? Let God define what you're going to believe. And in order to let God define that, you got to listen to him. Got to have some time and hear him talking, all right? And the other thing is putting, uh, being overly passionate about useless, thing, uh, useless things. Yeah, so being, I want to underline the word overly passionate, okay? Because we're all passionate about things, and that's cool and everything, right? Like, I'm real passionate about Liverpool. I, I'm always reading up on them, and, you know. I love soccer, uh, but it's, if that gets to a point to where I care more about what's going on with Liverpool than what's going on with the kingdom, guess what that's called? Idolatry. Yeah, that's bad. I, I don't, maybe I just need to refer you back to the Ten Commandments. That was near the top of the list. That's a pretty bad one, guys. So don't, if you're going to be passionate about something, that's fine. I, and if it has nothing to do with the kingdom, I'm not bothered by that. But make sure your passion is falling in line with your priorities. And don't be overly passionate about useless things. Did Jared talk last week about um, uh, uh, dunging? i got to look over here. Did he? All right, well, I'll go over it again. So I was reading up in Matthew, and uh, Jesus was talking about, look, if they called me, if they called me the master of this house, if they called the master of this house Beelzebub, what are they going to call you? And he's talking to the, to the uh, disciples about, look, you're going to get persecuted. You're going to get hated on. All right? And I was like, man, why would they call him Beelzebub? What the heck? What does that mean? So I started looking at the word Beelzebub, uh, I always just thought it was another name for the devil, right? But where did it come from? <laughs> Here's where it came from. Baal was a god of the Ekronites. Okay, so back in the days of you know early Israel, even before they came into the Promised Land, there's a well maybe afterwards. Anyways, there's the Ekronites. It's the people, and their god was called Baal, B-A-A-L. Okay, and their temple. The, uh, the temple, I guess, had a lot of flies around it or something because they were doing all these animal sacrifices. And so some theologians think that Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies. But others say, no, actually, the word Zebul uh, actually means dung. So, and the old Israelis used to call those temples um, 
like dung, like because they had flies all around them. And so they would say they would they would call the god over there god of the dung, is Beelzebub, god of the dung, right? So <laughs> when God is telling us not to worship idols, right? He's, he, that's what that's what they were talking about back in the days. Don't go follow some false god. Okay, so you know what the Israelites would do is they, they then took that and they called any sort of idolatry, they called it dunging. Yeah, those people over there are just dunging. They're worshiping a completely false god. Look, I read this on a, in a theological, theological paper. I, 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 can, I can show it to you right now. I'm not making this stuff up. That's really funny, though. I read that. I was like, oh, my gosh. I thought, I thought those Jewish people didn't have any humor at all <laughs> back in the days because the Bible makes them out to be just like these really stark people or, you know, they're just, there's no personality about them. Uh, man, they... <laughs> so that any sort of idolatry, they, they referred to it as dunging. So I just want you to kind of hold on to that. And if you find yourself giving a lot of passion to something that has nothing to do with God or the kingdom or blessing people's lives with, you know, this presence or, hey, look, it's dunging. Just dunging. So yeah, just be careful about that. Don't, don't be caught dunging. Here's the good news. You're way off into the rough, Right? Your golf balls trickle down into some creek bed. God is still with you. Uh, let me get the next slide up, Kyle, if you can. This is Psalm 39. I picked out verses 7 through 12. And we're just going to read through this. I, I want to encourage you just to go back and read all the way through Psalm 139. It's, it's, it's an incredible psalm. All right, so Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light will be night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. So you can be so far off the course, and guess what? God owns the golf course. You're still in his presence. So the most important thing is not think about where you're at if you get caught up in dunging. The most important thing is to think about where your next stroke is going, and are you hitting yourself back toward that next hug with God? There's two times when, when we fail the most. And the one, it seems like when we're really close and we just turn, just take a left turn and we decide not to spend time with God, not to go into our home. And the other time is when we're so far off that we think we'll never get back. How many of you guys know people like that in your life? They're so far off the fairway that they think they'll never get back. And nothing could be further from the truth. I'm not a golfer, so I don't know a lot about the game. But somehow, I don't think that when, you know, Luke Donald, here's a golfer that, he's English, that's why I cheer for him. Luke Donald is on the tee, and he's 500 yards away from the hole. 
and he goes back, and he's going to take his swing, you know what he's not thinking about? The hole. He's not thinking about putting. He's not thinking about the cup. You know what he's thinking about? He's thinking about hitting that ball perfectly. If what you're doing isn't going to be that stroke that puts you in the cup, then just make sure you do it unto the Lord. And you do it with the same passion, with the same excellence, as if it was that last putt. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do it as if you're doing it unto the Lord. And get your spirit, man, closer to the pin. It may not be, it's the, if you're far away and you're hitting the ball or you're way off into the rough and you're hitting and you're trying to get back to, I'm just, look, I'm just trying to get back to God. I'm way far off course here. I've been working a lot of hours lately. You know, I, I've been putting in like three 60-hour weeks in a row or something and, and I just haven't spent any time with God and I'm just way, I'm just way far away from God. I'm just way over here and I'm just trying to get back to where I can just enjoy His presence. Um, but it's like 10 o'clock on Thursday. All right, and I've still got to put in a long day tomorrow on Friday. What do you do? You do your work like it's your worship. You do your work like it's your worship. And you say to God, I know this isn't what I want to give you. But it's what I got to do right now. So it's what I got to give you. And you give it to God. And you're working on TPS reports or whatever it is. Lord, this TPS report is for you. Lord, this next TPS report is for you. Yeah. Lord, I got to take a coffee break. That's for you. Yeah. Whatever you do. Yeah. God, I got to go in a meeting with my boss. Help me, Lord. That's for you. <laughs> Lord, I got to go into a meeting with my subordinate. Help me, Lord. That's for you. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, whatever it is, oh gosh, now I got to go sit through traffic. That's for you. I'm going to sit in traffic for you, Lord. Everything you do, I'm going to do it for God. And you know what happens eventually? Oh, now I got to cook dinner. That's for you. I'm going to cook dinner for you, Lord. I got to put those kids to bed, Lord. I love my kids. Put those kids to bed for you because they're your kids, God. And now. Guess what? Whew. I get to just spend some time with you, God. That's, that's for you. And you're in the cup. Everything you do, no matter how far away you are, you feel, just do it for God and work your way back. Get yourself back into that presence. And that's all God is asking for you to do. He's not asking for you to live in the cup. He's not asking for you to stay in that intimate moment all of the time. He's not asking you to do that. If you find a way to do that, let me know. Okay? But don't set your crazy standards up like that. Instead, just make yourself, whatever you're doing, a little bit closer to God. A little bit closer to God. Okay? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> no matter how far we are from the hole, on any given day, the important thing is to simply remember where we belong and to take another swing in that direction. Sometimes you get feeling so far away from home that you don't even remember where your home is. You get so far away from the presence of God, you don't even realize that that's where I belong. Remember, 
Remember where you belong. All right, let's hit this next slide. I love this. This is just a random tweet that I found and I was putting everything together. Oh, Isaiah 6, the whole earth is full of his glory. Yeah, he owns the golf course. Okay, and one more. If you get addicted to the presence of God, you'll never need the approval of man ever again. Feel the chains, the need for opinions, your burdens, and everything that isn't God's desire for you just float away. In his presence, that's where you'll find the heartbeat of God. That's where everything makes sense, and that's where you fall more in love with God. So what are you waiting for? Go into your bedroom, just shut the door behind you, and just start walking around the room and praying and get addicted. <laughs> yeah? I love that. That's where you fall in love with God, is in His presence. Uh -huh. And then, of course, there's these benefits. One more slide, my friend. Actually, I think it might be two more. Yeah. Psalm 140, verse 13. The upright shall dwell in your presence before your very face. So at the end of our days, right, we get to that 18th hole. At some point, right, we're all, we're all going to die. We ain't going to live forever. But if you believe in Jesus, and you believe in what he did for you, then death really is just the ultimate beginning. And you get to live in his presence. And I, I just want to leave you with um, <clears throat> a little bit of creative writing. I wrote this earlier this week. I, I, I woke up to the title. This was a prayer fulfilled by Kyle and Jared, who had they'd been praying that I would just wake up into bubbles of words from God. And uh, I woke up into one. And it was the title of this creative writing piece. And I didn't know, I just had no clue what God was talking about. It was really random. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to run with it. I feel like this is a word from God. I feel like this is me waking up into a word. Um, and so. I sat down, and I just soaked in his presence, and I just, I just wrote this little piece, okay? Instinctively, we each realize a purpose alive within us, far beyond our life within this world, not dependent on the beating and the breathing that supposedly sustains us, far deeper inside than a physical perspective can witness, a marrow not of the bones, but of life itself. The unknown beckons us with tiny pangs of craving built up over time into a passionate desire to seek the answer to the mystery of our being. But we can't. We small creatures with our marrow polluted, unable to perceive past the fog of false pretense to behold a greater glory. Our flesh, seemingly aware, pulls us back, regarding salvation as a poison, a substance capable of ending us. But we drink him in nonetheless, knowing that our life's purpose can never be attained by an earthly vessel steeped too long in the imperfection of an unheavenly world. So, as fledged albatross takes to flight to find its true identity upon currents in the sky, we bleach the marrow, becoming white to the core, alive by faith alone, like we were envisioned to be from the start, not filled with blood, but saved by blood, and filled with blinding light. I want you to realize that you weren't created to be filled up with blood. You were created to be filled with light and to live in His presence forever. And while we're on this world, we struggle, 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 struggle to stay in His presence. But you are called to live in His presence 
forever. Forever. And you'll get there. I guarantee it. Until you get there, just keep those cravings alive. <laughs> Until you get to that point, you just keep them cravings alive. Always be thinking about that next cup, that next God hug. And if you can do that, and if you can manage your own cravings for God and keep your body just focused on trying to, to get your spirit man into that place again, you know what will happen? He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And the vice versa is true also. If you're staying close to God and you're being refreshed, you're going to bleed out into other people and you're going to refresh them. And then they're going to refresh you. And then you're going to refresh them. And you, I could keep going all day long. But hey, we got to eat lunch. <laughs> what, what did the, um, ah, Ray Hughes, he's coming near the end of a sermon or a teaching or something, and he says, what time is it? <laughs> and he says, well, you guys got to eat. We're confined by time and space, so we'll act like it. <laughs> I want you to know that the key to you being a powerful Christian is you staying in that place where you're constantly trying to get to the presence of God. And if you could do that, then everything else will come. The radical obedience, it will happen. It will happen. You know what makes obedience hard is when it feels like obedience. That's what makes it hard. But whenever it feels like taking a step to closer to God, it's not so hard. It's not so hard because you're just, oh man, I just want to get close to God again. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what kind of insane things I got to do. It's not radical obedience if it don't feel like obedience. I don't know. Maybe it is. But the point is, if you're seeking after that presence of God, everything else will come. Everything else will come. You'll be a powerful Christian. You'll be happier. You'll be more fulfilled. Because you'll be being what you're supposed to be. Okay, let's all stand and pray. God, we thank you for your presence. Mm. God, I, just, I thank you for your presence today. I thank you for uh, uh, being here with us, being sitting next to each person in this room and just whispering in their ear the things that they need to hear. Mm. I, I thank you, God, for hijacking this message and turning it into whatever you want to turn it into. And Lord, I just... <clears throat> God, I, I just want to ask you to clear a path for people. And uh, you will go through all these hurdles and challenges, God, uh, but for right now, in these people that, that, are, that are here listening, I, I just want to ask you to clear a path and let them get back to your presence pronto Amen. so that they can renew their cravings, so that when the next challenges come, right, when the next failures come, that they'll remember that craving. Just create a clear path right now and just get them back into your presence. God, I pray that you would speak destiny into people. It's so powerful when you do that, God. I just thank you, God, for speaking destiny into my life.
you've spoken such special words to me, and, and I know you've done the same for everybody in this room. And just, God, continue to speak those special words to us. Those are the things that really get us going. And you know our buttons like nobody else knows our buttons, and you, can, you just can press our buttons and get us going. And lastly, God, I just want to release miracles. I want to release miracles. You're a supernatural God. You're not confined by our natural scenarios and stuff. So I just release miracles. And if somebody in this place needs uh, a healing, if somebody in this place just needs a, a word of knowledge from a stranger, uh, whatever it is, God, I just want to release miracles into this, into this crowd of people. And then, of course, also, God, that they would release miracles into others. Mm. All right. In Jesus' name we pray, God, because he's our king. He's our savior. God, we ain't got no hope outside of Jesus. So we pray in his name. Amen. All right. If, um, if anybody needs prayer, we're going to have our prayer team up here. Uh, we have our salvation banner. So if you want to just give your life to Jesus or renew your commitment to Jesus... Uh, we'll meet you right over there and we'll be happy to pray with you. If you need healing in your body, I don't care how many times you pray before, we want to pray for you like it's the first time and we'll do that right over here. And if you need anything else in your life, anything you want to talk about or pray about or be counseled about, just come on here in the middle and we're going to roll with it. And Vanessa